G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. As we do on a Thursday, always good to check in with Family Voice Australia State Director for New South Wales and the ACT, Greg Bondar. Greg, welcome back to 2020. Yeah, good morning, Neil. Greg, let's talk. First of all, you've been thinking through and gleaning from all sorts of sources what's going on not only on our shores, but around the world, and the idea that churches can be going woke. And uh, it might be an alarm bell ringing and uh, maybe an idea of uh, just checking on your own attitudes here, but uh, what have you been thinking about? What sort of things have you been dealing with? Yeah, thank you. Now, look, um, I'm actually writing an article at the moment on the future of the church under COVID and where we're going to end up and which way we're going. And Lo and behold, what comes across my desk, but uh, an article that says that the United Methodist Church, now we're talking about the USE now, is actually going woke. Now, you will recall we had a conversation some time ago uh, in, uh, uh, on the United Methodist Church, who is likely to be split because they can't uh, agree on the debate over same-sex marriage or self-avowed practising gay clergy. Now, all of a sudden, the church has decided in their statistical returns, which they have to submit, that they are no longer going to count male or female. In other words, they're going to accept non-binary words or or categories alongside male and female, which really means, Neil, that, you know, as you count the people, how do you know whether they're going to be one of the 52-plus types of categories that exist in terms of LGBTIQA+. I actually call it the alphabet sexuality because it just keeps going on and on and on. So the church is now required to make sure that they count non-binary congregationalists. So in other words, a non-binary, as you and I well know, is a term used for people who don't identify as either male or female. So what's this going to mean is that we tend to be copycats now, if it's happening in the US, it's likely to be picked up by churches here in Australia. Well, challenging times ahead, and I think the warning here comes with the idea that if you allow this in in any way, even just leaving the door open a little, then this sort of thing happens and then creates all sorts of complications, non-binary Uh, So you've got male and female, the biblical definition. Mm. All of a sudden someone says, oh, why don't we count people and let's include the non-binary category. Mm. Uh, All of a sudden that throws all sorts of things into some level of chaos by way of faith. But church pastors having trouble reporting on you know who's part of their congregation because of people's gender and uh, it does does create issues here. Absolutely. I mean, you've got over 52 categories and it's growing all the time of people that consider themselves non-binary. Now, where does it stop? But the real issue here, Neil, is guess what? The actual church's book of discipline, which is their policy book, for want of a better word, says that the practice of homosexuality is incompatible with Christian teaching. So, hang on, if that's the case, and that's the policy, 
why all of a sudden we're now starting to count non-binary? Are we going to start counting adulterers? Are we going to start counting murderers? Are we going to start counting, you know, who knows? So, Neil, the churches are going woke. This is a real prayer issue. We've got to make sure that we don't allow this sort of uh, wokeness to, to hit our churches here in Australia. And a little bit of uh, issue here, because if there's going to be any positive pressure on being male or female and not necessarily counting non-binary, it's going to come from the church. So when it comes to who the church identifies, that's going to be really important because uh, a lot of pastors uh, are saying, I'm not going to force people to choose one or the other when they've told me that they identify differently. So there's actually no pressure unless it comes from the church, at least counting people as male and female. Absolutely. Now, look, don't forget the church. We welcome anybody, but we're not going to get, we should not go out of our way. We should not go out of our way to be woke just to appease a small percentage of the world global population or congregation of people, people that go to church. So, Neil, we have to stop this. I welcome anybody. When I'm preaching, I preach to everybody, whether they're LGBTIQA, whether they're, you know, murderers. I preach to them because I want them to come to God through Jesus Christ. And that's the issue. So I don't care what they are, but let's not go out of our way and highlight the fact that there are 52 plus types of sexualities that we need to recognise. Nonsense, Neil. Mm. Uh, There's no stance on ordination of non-binary or transgender people in that particular church either. That uh, creates all sorts of issues too, doesn't it? It does, but but, but wait for it, Neil. I'm, I'm going to talk about this at a later stage. There have been now ordinations of of, of, gay, of gay, gay clergy along with transgendered clergy. Neil, we are losing the plot. We are going against biblical teaching 101. And we really have to make a stance, Neil. And uh, I'll be looking more at this issue later. Just to reflect back uh, to a conversation I had with an Anglican minister some months ago, Uh, who was saying, you know, what can ordinary people do about these sorts of things when the church starts to go woke or the church leaves its biblical foundations behind and all of a sudden it just sort of, you know, is all things to all people. And uh, he did offer some really powerful insights into what every single church, every single person who warms a pew can do. He said, well, you go and approach your pastor or your minister, your priest, and uh, and you ask them about what biblical foundation they have for moving in a different direction. And, of course, you say, then, uh, this is an interesting thing and uh, throws the cat among the pigeons, I mm. might say, but then you say, well, I think I'll withdraw my giving to the church until I'm confident that the church is teaching a biblical foundation. Now, Absolutely. because we have money in our pockets, because we give in our local church, we actually are the people who are empowered. Uh, So there is a certain sense here, Greg, it's not just uh, an argument at the top of who's making decisions in church, Mm. but of course everybody sitting in the pews, we're all reading the same Bible. If it doesn't line up, we've got some power in our hands. Uh, Any thoughts on that before we move on? Absolutely, Neil. I think we have a voice, and don't forget we are the people. A church is not a building, it's people, and we are there to make sure that we adhere to biblical foundations. And Neil... It it is unfortunate in some cases that money does vote. And I've had people at our own church, and I have to tell you this, Neil, they have withheld givings 
when the church is starting or looking like going woke because it's not biblical. Why should we be funding non-biblical activities? So yes, you're quite right, and I think there is a power there. But not only that, you've got the ability to write to the to the governing councils, to the to the bishops, to the area bishops, and say, look, we don't want this wokeness coming. What are you going to do about it? Okay. Well, let's move on. Uh, you're saying, Greg, brace yourself for an embarrassingly woke Olympics in Tokyo. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? Neil, I'm, I'm, I, want, I want to be a prophet here. And tell you that, <laughs> I'm telling you, Neil, I'm telling you as a friend that the, woke, the Olympics is going to be all about wokeism. In, in other words, just watch it. You, we've already had people like Senator Claire Chandler telling us, you know, and she was wonderful here in, uh, from Tasmania, telling that, you know, you can't have men in women's sport. It just doesn't make sense. Well, lo and behold, we've already had trials in the U.S., and I refer to the U.S. because that's important. I'll get to Australia in a minute. But you've got this um, interesting sort of um, uh, uh, person in America who's um, a hammer thrower, uh, Gwen Berry, and uh, she, she was uh, in trials last week for the Olympics, and she turned her back on the flag. She said, I'm not going to, you know, that means nothing to me. Well, lo and behold, either you're going to the Olympics to represent your country or you're not. So these woke athletes are now starting to outdo each other. And uh, the one that really worries me, Neil, is this one, a Chelsea Wolf, who's a BMX freestyle bicycle rider. Now, I don't know how they got into the Olympics, but, but they, they are there. Guess what she tweeted on social media, Neil? <laughs> she said... She said that uh, I look forward to attending the Olympics so that if I win, I can burn the American flag. And on top of that, as an addition, somebody ought to assassinate Donald Trump. Now, for goodness sake, why don't these people close down? As soon as a Christian says something on, on, on social media, we're cancel cultured. But these people are allowed to be uh, very woke in their, in, in, in their um, uh, social commentary. Neil, it is so unbalanced, but listen to this quickly. In America, uh, sports like the NFL, the National Football League, the National Basketball Association have seen catastrophic declines in viewership since going woke, and that's a real issue because the next issue that's coming up, as you and I well know, is the kneeling before the anthem. And, And as you and I have spoken about this, in 2020, Neil, Israel Folau did not join St. Helens and the Catalans Dragon players in taking a knee before the resumption of the Super League. So he stood up for what he believed in. But Neil, watch the Olympics. It's going to come. And unfortunately, we need to make sure that we are ready to react. Uh, you know, I'm uh, you know, concerned. I know how serious it is. Uh, our athletes representing our nation, and we're hoping they do incredibly well in representing Australia. But there's certainly going to be an entertainment uh, aspect to this, especially, you know, as we talk about these sorts of things, Greg, and listeners to our conversations mm. regularly, uh, yeah. just aware of what's going on. It might almost be humorous to see people taking a woke position, uh, taking a knee or using their, you know, medal ceremony to make a, a woke political comment. Uh, it might almost be quite entertaining to see that happening. And I don't want the uh, the Olympics to be... Uh, disgraced in any sort of way, but uh, I'll be looking for those sorts of things. I'm sure they are going to be rife. And you're thinking 
that mm. that could be happening with frequency. <laughs> could be could be an everyday thing. Every time a team takes to the field, there might be this pressure on them to take a knee in the Black Lives Matter or something like that. It could be happening every sporting match. Look, I hope I'm wrong. I really do, but I just want you to watch the opening Olympics. I want you to watch some of these woke athletes because there are going to be statesmen statements made that we do not agree with and I think really the uh, the International Olympic Committee has made it clear that demonstrations or political, religious or racial propaganda by an Olympian will be severely punished. Well, let's make sure that they, they stick to that policy because I can tell you now there are going to be fists going up, there will be kneeling, there will be flag but or whatever and I hope it doesn't happen but unfortunately we we as a society have allowed this to happen because we've failed to act and I think this is a real warning for us because you've got woke churches now you've got woke athletes you've got men in women's sport where is it going to stop Neil you know I wake up every morning and I remember if you remember the film The Wizard of Oz do you know what I say to myself Neil hey I'm not in Kansas anymore <laughs> That's I'm right. Not, it feels I'm very different. Uh, because what's happened to the world now? You know? <laughs> exactly, and uh, be interesting, won't it, at the Olympics? Because uh, the people in the stands, as few as they may be, uh, won't even be able to cheer, and uh, so yeah. it's going to be a very different feel, I suspect, uh, for the entire Olympics. But uh, with all of the woke political correctness and uh, everyone being called out as racist for being white or Christian, all those sorts of things, uh, just expect uh, it's going to be a significant time. And uh, you know, mm. when people take a political position on all of that it really is going to bring a different dimension to the olympic games hey just touch quickly on for us um the kira bell case um uh, an update on that appeal case last week what's happened this is one out of the uk yeah it it has great implications for us here in australia because gender dysphoria is a a topic um look only yesterday i think the 29th uh uh, there was a, a further um consideration by the appeal court now just a quick a quick summary of the thing you know kira bell was administered some uh, puberty blockers and what have you and uh, cut a long story short she regretted having undertaken that so she took the organization the clinic and the clinical um, organization to court and in the case has become known as bill bell versus the portman nhs trust so what happened was there was an appeal made by the trust because they didn't like the decision that the court came up with. And basically what the court has decided, and I think this is critical now, it has decided the following. A child under 16 may only consent to the use of medication intended to suppress puberty where he or she is competent to understand the nature of the treatment. And this includes an understanding of the immediate and long-term consequences, which Kira Bell um, uh, found out. Now, the other thing that came out of the, the, the court decision was this. It is highly unlikely that a child aged 13 or under would be competent to give consent to the administration of puberty blockers. And it is also doubtful that a child aged 14 or 15 could understand and weigh the long-term risks and consequences of the administration of puberty blockers. Now, this is critical because I know and I've read from various articles, we've administered this to children as young as five nil. Where does this stop? And, and don't forget last week I mentioned to you we had Walt Heyer on, on the program. He was saying that it's a big, big mistake to undergo these 
transgender type um, treatment. Well, we're talking about children here and they're not old enough to vote. Uh, They're not old enough to go to war. Uh, They can't even drive a car without a driver's licence. They're younger than all of that and yet uh, they have empowerment to make decisions that will medicalise their entire life and uh, set them up for some big downfalls into their future. And, uh, yes, yeah, so there are implications, of course, there for what's going on in Australia oh. too and the debate around that. And we hope and pray uh, that our authorities, that our political leaders are able to see through some of that and uh, make some decisions that will protect uh, young people in Australia. Uh, Greg, uh, any particular big campaigns to draw attention to? Yes. Uh, special things coming up? Family Voice Australia this week? Yes, there is, Neil. Just a quick comment on that, uh, on the puberty blockers. The issue we have, Neil, is that you and I, as a, as a parent or as a church, we can't counsel these people in Rickle because we are threatened by jail or fines. And this is coming in the ACT, Queensland, Victoria. So that's a real issue. And I, again, I think uh, we need to take action. But in terms of what's happening, well, guess what, Neil? On Monday night, we've got a webinar coming up and we have the president of the American Anglican Council who's going to talk to us about the Biden administration and what impact it will have on churches and what the implications are for the Australian church. So that's a real issue. So please listen to Phil Ashey, who's, the, as I said, the president of the Anglican Council in America, and he's going to talk to us about how American wokeism under Biden will impact on Australia and the churches and our faith, Neil. Okay, for listeners wanting to connect and uh, with those seminars and with the other campaigns that are running for Family Voice Australia, familyvoice.org.au. Greg Bondar is Family Voice Australia State Director for New South Wales and the ACT. Greg, thanks so much for the update today on 2020. God bless and thank you, Neil. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.